Marcus Paul, almost a public figure. Marcus Paul in the morning. Marcus Paul in the morning. Marcus Paul in the mornings, right across Australia. On the iHeartRadio and TuneIn Radio apps. The biggest issues. The biggest guess. Marcus Paul in the morning starts now. Good morning and welcome to a brand new working week. Marcus Paul in the morning. Great to have your company on this Monday. It's the start of a new month as well. Um, By the way, no days off this week, I'm sorry. We've gotten through Easter. We had the Anzac Day long weekend last week, even though the days off were wonderful. I think we've got an uninterrupted week this week. Okay, the federal election, it is now 19 days away, dropping on the 21st. And yesterday, Federal Labor launched its election campaign in, of all places, WA. Makes sense, though, considering Labor is extremely popular in the West and their uh, Premier, Mark McGowan, is nothing short of a rock star at the moment. All right, but Albo yesterday, in launching Labor's campaign revealed a more generous discount for Australians using PBS medicines and he declared he wants to build a better future and help Australians build a stake in it. And of course, the announcements yesterday included this new policy on affordable housing where a Labor government would help some 300,000 aspiring homeowners buy into their first new home. And that means that the government would own a a small stake in it, but the homeowner would then be able to pay the government back at some point. I think it's a good policy. Those on the right call it socialism, and of course the Prime Minister and others, Simon Birmingham, say that while it's great that the government could possibly do that, why should a government own any part of anybody's house. Anyway, uh, I'll get through the uh, the policy announcements from both sides yesterday. Uh, the Prime Minister and uh, his wife, Jenny, were out on the hustings in Western Sydney. Uh, ScoMo might as well drop the, <laughs> the sharks and put on a Parramatta Reels jersey. He's visited the joint so much in the last couple of weeks. Anyway, he was out in Parramatta yesterday. He made a number of announcements. Not only uh, was his wife by his side, but high-profile Liberal supporter Erin Molan. Erin's done some wonderful work, I have to say, in relation to trolling. Uh, national security and the cost of living are important issues for Australians, but Miss Molan said there is something else voters need to remember at the ballot box, and I'll go through the detail of that story. All right, by the way, a growing number of GPs are worried they are becoming a dying breed and are calling for a reversal of Medicare rebate cuts that decentivise new graduates. I'll get through that story as well. In New South Wales politics, the Premier Dominic Perrottet and his government are being criticised after an edict not to drink alcohol in the office. Probably not so much for that, but... Not to yell at staff, well, we can appreciate that, but also avoid using the word mate. Can you believe this? We will check out the latest news headlines from our friends at Air News. That is coming up, and we'd love your feedback too on the Facebook page. You can leave your comments, Marcus Paul in the morning on Facebook. 
if you want, send us a direct message there. Or if you prefer, you can send me an email. Marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au. So let's get into it on this Monday morning. It is the second day of May 2022. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, welcome back. Marcus Paul in the morning here on Starter FM and iHeart and TuneIn Radio and, of course, on the Prawncast. Well, an impending interest rate rise tomorrow and a new opposition shared equity plan to get thousands of people into affordable housing has intensified the spotlight on property affordability. Federal Labor yesterday said the cost of buying a home will be slashed by up to 40% for around 10,000 low to middle income earners a year if it wins government. Responding to the policy on Sunday, Finance Minister Simon Birmingham said the recently expanded Home Guarantee Scheme was preferable to governments owning part of people's homes. Our policy is about ensuring that Australians get to own their own home. Labor's policy is about the government owning parts of your home with you, Mr Birmingham said. Labor's Help to Buy scheme will provide an equity contribution of up to 40% of the purchase price of a new home and up to 30% for an existing dwelling, with buyers needing a minimum deposit of only 2%. Here's a little of what Albo had to say yesterday when he sat down with Sky before Labor's campaign launch. So we need increased social housing, we need increased affordable housing for essential workers, but we also need to help people into home ownership who aspire to that. I know when I was growing up with, with my mum lived in the one council house and it became housing department uh, for the whole of her 65 years. And she drummed into me growing up, you know, when you get the opportunity, buy your own home. And I know so that- So this one's personal? It, it, is, it is personal because I think the great Australian dream of owning your own home is we're in danger of being out of reach for a generation. And we need to look at ways constructively in which we can assist that, as well as dealing with homelessness, dealing with public housing, dealing with affordable housing. All right, well, ahead of the last recent federal budget, the government announced up to 50,000 places would be available each year under its scheme, allowing first-time buyers to enter the market with with a much smaller deposit. Now, Simon Birmingham argued yesterday it's helping now really lift the rates of first-home ownership. And importantly, you get to own your own home. You don't have Mr Albanese at the kitchen table, said Mr Birmingham. Around 160,000 new homeowners entered the Australian market last year, up from a five-year average of around 100,000, he said. Under Labor's plan, Australians will be able to buy back an additional stake in their home owned by the federal government in 5% increments or pay the government back when they sell. The scheme is not exclusive to first home buyers, but participants must be Australian citizens and live in the home for two years. It's expected to cost taxpayers around $329 million over four years, but the Greens say the investment won't even touch the sides. Meanwhile, the Prime Minister, Scott Morrison, well, he's had a crack as well after Simon Birmingham. ScoMo yesterday, of course, said that Anthony Albanese wants to make money off Australians with his latest policy to assist low-income earners buy a home. Uh, The Prime Minister was at Dundas Neighbourhood 
in Parramatta. Uh, that's a, a seat that the Liberals desperately want to win. Uh, now, Morrison acknowledged how tough it was for Australians to purchase their first home. He said, but under Albanese's plan, he'll take a cut. So he claims under Labor's policy, Australians would not have full ownership of their home. But he was forced, of course, to defend his own policies after reporters quizzed him over his own contribution to rising house prices. Uh, but he argued in the last three years, over 300,000 Australians have been helped into their own home in particular, including single parents. So those policies, despite rising house prices, have been incredibly effective. ScoMo also said he will travel across the country as he sidestepped questions about whether he was a toxic brand in inner-city seats where moderate Liberals are being challenged by the so-called Teal Independents. Repeatedly asked if the Prime Minister would be personally campaigning in electorates like Wentworth and North Sydney, Mr Morrison would only broadly commit to travelling all over Australia during the campaign. Meanwhile, Treasurer Josh Frydenberg is among inner-city Liberal MPs who claim they are in the political fight of their lives against well-organised and highly funded independent candidates campaigning on climate change, integrity in politics and respect for women. Liberal insiders have described Mr Morrison's brand as, quote, toxic in the teal seats, including in Mr Frydenberg's Melbourne electorate of Kuyong. So far, ScoMo has only visited Kuyong, what, once during the campaign to attend Passover at a local synagogue. But the Prime Minister is yet to appear in Wentworth, North Sydney or McKellar in Sydney or Goldstein in Melbourne. By comparison, yesterday he visited the marginal Labor-held Western Sydney seat of Parramatta for the second time in three weeks. All right, well, that visit to Parramatta has the Liberals hoping their candidate, Maria Kovacic, can unseat Labor's candidate, Andrew Charlton, who's been parachuted into the electorate to replace retiring MP, Julie Owens. Okay, well, in the meantime, Scott Morrison has enlisted a high-profile trolling victim as he tries to commit to combating online abuse. I'll give you the details of that story very soon. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, welcome back. Well, we know there have been some recent delays at our airports due to a lack of uh, check-in and security staff uh, due to the pandemic. But in the United States, this was a delay of a difference for a number of airline passengers who were held up on the taxiway on board their jet because of a feathered intruder. It's unbelievable. It's 2179, sir. You're not going to believe this, but we are unable because of a pelican sitting here in the taxiway. He's not moving. Roger. You got somebody who can come down and move him out of the way? He might be injured from the last wake turbulence or something. Tower, did you say you're sending out uh, airport ops to get the pelican? Yeah, we've got Yeah. Uh, I mean, I love the response from the air traffic controller, Roger, as if he's almost not believing what the hell is going on there. Uh, The good news is the feathered friend was removed safely and the jet got on its way. Marcus Paul in the morning, speaking of aeroplanes. Marcus Paul in the morning, B.O.B. and Hayley Williams, aeroplanes. Speaking of 
planes, major Australian domestic airlines have scrapped flexible flight rules brought in during the pandemic. Free flight credits and date changes introduced by Qantas, Jetstar and Virgin will no longer be afforded to domestic travellers from yesterday as the airlines transitioned out of the pandemic protocols. Now, the airlines introduced the rule changes after masses of flyers were missing flights due to snap lockdowns and ever-changing restrictions, which made air travel unpredictable during the pandemic as we know. The flexible flight rules will stay in place for changes or cancellations to international flights up until June 30 and is inclusive of flights to the end of this year. One comfort for travellers that will remain is waived cancellation fees for passengers who test positive for COVID-19 or are a close contact. Uh, Now, Adelaide Airport Managing Director Brenton Cox told the media over the weekend, it doesn't mean that you can't buy a flexible fare, it just means that those blanket rules that applied to any ticket purchase are now coming off. So travellers flying out of Sydney Airport last month for the Easter long weekend could feel the return could feel the return of airline travel to normal as massive queues and delays caused chaos at the major airport as we know. Other airports around the country were also choked with staffing issues blamed for the massive delays. People also reported waiting hours to get through airport security as giant queues snaked around terminals. But just a reminder, airlines in Australia have scrapped domestic travel flexible pandemic fares and that now means there will be changes to the rules that were brought in during the pandemic. Marcus Paul in the morning. Yeah, Marcus Paul in the morning, start of a brand new month and 20 days away from the next federal election as the caravan rolls on. All right, well, the boss has got the bug, so you got me. Over the course of the next week, you're going to see something different. You're going to see our team. Also announced uh, an Indo-Pacific broadcasting strategy. This is all about filling the void that is... Uh, being occupied right now by Chinese state-owned television. I sent in the AFP. The Labor Party wants to send in the ABC. They have a Q&A solution in the Pacific. The only way uh, that you can you can preserve peace is, is to prepare for war and to be strong. Is the Labor Party at risk of vilifying Chinese Australians? You're asking me that question. I'm going back to my treasurer's days pulling out the charts. And I know the Prime Minister wanted to wave a graph around uh, earlier today. And look round the room, there's some good looking guys and good looking girls here. But this bloke here, Ben, I know him, he's a very good looking man. Yeah, well the net zero thing is all sort of dead anyway. It's all over. I mean, it's all over by the shouting. Pull his head, Matt, Just, does he need to pull his head in? Yeah, pull your head in, Matt. Did you want to be? You want to be an elite? Yeah, no, I'd like to be like you. Uh, You don't know my backstory, mate. Inflation in Australia is up 2.1% in the March quarter and 5.1% through the year. Australia is not immune from the international pressures driving up inflation. Australians couldn't give a stuff what inflation is in the United States. 
He'll be rejoining the campaign trail. It's time to make up for some lost time. I'm happy to do two debates next week. It's good to be out of ISO. It's a beautiful sunny day here in uh, Marrickville. Yeah. All right. Well, I wonder whether um, there will be two debates uh, to come. There certainly will be one that's been announced, and that is on the Nine Network, and I'll give you some more detail on that very soon. Meantime, in a function room at Sydney's Acor Stadium, senior Liberals sought to rally the troops as the election contest tightened over the weekend. But it was the appearance of controversial candidate Catherine Deves that drew the attention of the room. Foreign Minister Maurice Payne, who entered the room to ACDC's Thunderstruck, called on local Sydney candidates to pump up the event ahead of the Prime Minister Scott Morrison's arrival. Can we please welcome our fabulous candidates for this election? The Senator asked the room to thunderous applause. Fiona Smith, Sarah Richards, Melissa McIntosh all received the call, but Miss Deves was passed over despite sitting just one seat down from the Lindsay MP. Well, okay. It's the first time that Miss Deves has appeared in public with the Prime Minister since being named in the uh, named as the Liberal candidate for Warringah. Uh, we course, of course, we know all the. Uh, the controversy surrounding some comments made by Miss Deves. She's been accused of being, well, perhaps a little out of touch with the views on transgender issues. Anyway, speaking to the party faithful room um, from a small riser in the middle there, ScoMo repeated his tired and tested lines that only he could deliver a stronger economy. And on he went. He argued that only the Liberals would allow Australians to raise their children in the way you want to raise your children. Okay. Uh, ScoMo also stepped up his attack on Mr Albanese's lack of economic plan, accusing him of having to resort to Harry Potter magic in order to bring the cost of living down. Ramping up his pitch to voters, uh, the Prime Minister repeated his argument that only a re-elected coalition would be able to handle the economy going forward. But he also faced a grilling from reporters in Western Sydney about the rising cost of groceries, and Mr Morrison's off-the-cuff Harry Potter reference raised eyebrows. He said, there's no magic wand to deal with the impact of price increases caused by the war in Europe and the disruption of supply chains that have been caused by the pandemic, he said. Sounds to me awfully like ScoMo's old and tired excuse of blaming everybody else but him and his own government. Anyway, he goes on to say the Labor Party thinks they've got some sort of Harry Potter wand they wave in government. And it changes the price of the lettuce. It's ridiculous, he said. But he declined to answer how much further the price of groceries would rise. All right, meanwhile, and we'll leave it at this for now, Anthony Albanese's taken aim at Scott Morrison for likening West Australians to cave people over their hard border closures. Well, we know, of course, the border closures and uh, all the rest of it during the pandemic became very political. The opposition leader officially launched Labor's campaign in Perth yesterday and as soon as he got there, he basically revived an attack on the Prime Minister. ScoMo sparked outrage, of course, in WA when he was pushing for states to stick to the national reopening plan in August last year. Uh, Now 
It's like that movie The Croods, he told the Today Show in reference to the children's film about cavemen. Some wanted to stay in the cave and the young girl wanted to deal with the challenges of living in a different world. COVID is a different world. We can't stay in the cave. And while the PM has since denied the comment was specifically about WA, Mr Albanese refuses to let it go. He said yesterday, Western Australians often feel, understandably, that the East Coast doesn't give them the respect they deserve. There we go. What do you make of it all? If you want to comment, of course, you can uh, do so on the Facebook page, Marcus Paul in the morning, or if you prefer, you can send me an email with your thoughts, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au. Hello, I'm from the Australian Government with a final message before the election. This could be our last ad, unless you re-elect us, which would be a miracle after all we've done these past three years. But here at the Australian Government, we believe in miracles. And the one we're praying for hardest this election is that most of you are too busy trying to make ends meet to remember all we've done these past three years. Under the leadership of our prime marketer, ScoMo, or as his colleagues call him, hypocrite, fraud, complete psycho and absolute asshole. As well as a fine array of ministers like Susan, Minister for No Duty of Care over young people. And Richard, Minister for No Duty of Care over old people. Minister for people who are not blessed. Minister for saying Labor will drop the ball on national security. Minister for dropping the ball on national security. Minister for not letting this family go home to Billow. Minister for Santos. Minister for Woodside. Minister for cosplay. Minister for integrity. Minister for bagging his own state during the pandemic and losing his seat to an independent. And of course, Jenny, Minister for Reminding Complete Psycho to empathise with rape survivors. We've delivered on the economy. Unemployment is down and corporate profits are up. What's that? You can't afford food, fuel and rent due to the rising cost of living. Oh, sweetheart, that's because your wages haven't gone anywhere since... What a coincidence. Since we've been in office. That's not a flaw. It's a deliberate design feature. So get back to work, Australia. Those profits aren't going to make themselves go up, you pieces of shit. But hey, don't forget those breadcrumbs and tax cuts we gave you. Well, rich people got a tax cut. Low-income earners will get approximately... And the rest of you will end up paying more tax once these cuts expire just after the election. Australian government putting the end back in cuts. Speaking of huge cuts and handouts for those who don't need them, Jerry got a shit ton of your money via JobKeeper. Which is how we pissed billions up the wall and then told you it's labour you can't trust with money. Of course, when we heard Jerry's profits doubled, we let him keep your money. But if you got some of our way below the poverty line benefits, we came after you until you paid us back or killed yourself. Australia, where we cut your kids' disability funding without notice. And we pay aged care workers fuck all to look after our elders. In an aged care system, the Royal Commission called a national disgrace. But we found billions for subs we won't get, jets that don't work, and tanks we don't need. Where we cut funding for unis and schools. Public schools, that is. Private ones got shit tons more. Where if you can't afford rent because of the rental crisis, we tell you to just buy a house. And if you can't afford a house because of the housing crisis, we let you raid your own super. So when our housing bubble Ponzi scheme implodes, you'll lose your 
retirement. So when you do retire, you'll probably end up being neglected and left to die in pain in one of our aged care homes. So as you can see, wherever you are in life's journey, we've made sure you eat shit from childhood to old age. But we've also achieved that in other lesser areas, like women. women. We bullied this one into resigning. Jizzed on this one's desk. Covered up an alleged rape in Parliament House. Exonerated this guy with a sham investigation. Exonerated this guy with no investigation. And then failed to attend any of the nationwide protests we inspired. But hey ladies, at least we didn't shoot you at those protests. This time, First Nations. Nations. We had nothing to say about all the deaths in custody under our watch and said some cringe shit when we should have said nothing. Our history coach was on leave that day. National, national security. security. We established ourselves as the greatest threat to national security by leaving you unprepared and exposed to deadly floods and fires. Climate. Climate. We made bullshit ads to sell you bullshit technologies that don't reduce emissions so we can prop up the industry that's worsening those floods and fires. COVID. COVID. We inflicted unnecessary pain on you by not listening to experts. Not fixing quarantine. Not getting enough vaccines fast enough. Not shutting the puffin up. There and Australians taking wickets in the virus. <laughs> <laughs> Leaving thousands of you stranded overseas. Undermining state premiers at every step of the way. And then taking all the credit. And lastly, corruption. corruption. We know you're sad we broke our election promise for a federal ICAC, but you can blame Labor for that. It's their fault for not supporting our alternative, which is just like an ICAC, except it can't take public tip-offs, can't hold public hearings, or investigate corrupt conduct. Which means it wouldn't be able to investigate how we rorted this fund, this fund, this fund and that fund. How we appointed our mates to the appeals tribunal. Or how we paid ten times the market value for land that just so happened to be owned by our donors. Cool and normal. And on that note, we bid you f*** you Australia. It has been an honour to not hold a hose. Not hold investigation. Trash your reputation. Shirk the blame. Shake your hands. This bullshit. And smirk as your homes burn, towns flood and re Die. Of course, when faced with all this shit here, some of you might be thinking of voting for Labor or for one of the many not shit independents and candidates lining up nationwide to kick us out. But why do that when you have a clear choice this election between us and a government you don't know? And say what you will about us. At least you know exactly what massive pieces of shit we are. Australian, Australian government. government. Authorised by the Department of Genuine Satire. Marcus Paul in the morning. All right, welcome back on this Monday morning, mate. How are you? I'll get to that story in a moment. It could be curtains for the term mate inside New South Wales State Parliament. Meantime, uh, the next leaders' debate will be held on Sunday night. That's for the federal election. You know, Albo won the first one, just that Sky News debate just a, a week or so ago. But the next one is just under a week away to be held on Sunday night on the Nine Network. It'll be broadcast live on Channel 9, uh, 9 Now, and also all their other platforms as well. Well, the New South Wales government and its ministers are apparently in revolt after being advised to avoid using the word mate in conversation as part of respected work training sessions that took place last week. Perrottet government ministers have also been told not to drink alcohol in the office, not to yell at staff and to invite everyone in the office if heading out for after work drinks or lunch to ensure inclusivity. 
Office banter or gossip is also a no-no, while ministers must also be mindful of giving a senior person work more suitable for someone junior, a move that could be construed as bullying. Now, all of this advice was given during a training session organised by the New South Wales Department of Premier and Cabinet as part of a review into bullying and harassment by former Sex Discrimination Commissioner Prue Goward. An external diversity and inclusion consultant has been hired to conduct the two-and-a-half-hour modules, three-and-a-half hours for staff, mind you, which have triggered a revolt among attendees who have described the course as PC insanity straight out of 1984 and mumbo-jumbo. Several participants took issue with the suggestion the word mates might be viewed as offensive. One minister said... I use mate all the time. It's as Australian as you can get. How on earth can it be possibly offensive? I agree. (laughs) Another minister said we're not allowed to have individual opinions anymore. We have to engage in group thought. This is straight out of 1984. Veterans Minister David Elliott said he particularly objected to the suggestion of a booze ban, noting the bottle of whisky in his office used to placate my parliamentary colleagues. <laughs> Ministers were also advised about ensuring any allegations about sexual assault were reported to the department, despite concerns a victim's name could become discoverable via parliamentary processes such as a call for papers. The consultants could not be reached, but a website for the business highlighted inclusive leadership, unconscious bias and mindful inclusion, gender equity, cultural inclusion, and women in leadership as among its areas of expertise. A Department of Premier and Cabinet spokesman said the respected work training sessions were held to raise awareness of the legal obligations of ministers and chiefs of staff regarding workplace misconduct. The total cost of the program, undertaken in response to the Goward report, was estimated to be at least $202,000, with the program expected to be run regularly. A spokesman from the New South Wales government said the state government takes its work, health and safety obligations very seriously. Well, what do you make of it? Send me an email, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au or you can comment on the post we put up on the Facebook page. Please give us a like and follow there. Marcus Paul in the morning. Monday morning, Marcus Paul in the morning. Nice to have your company. Look, I saw this over the weekend and I thought, this bloke is just asking for trouble. I know we live in a democracy and I know that we should be able to exercise our right, which is free speech. But a political activist who's running for the Senate in Queensland has provoked a bitter reaction from a crowd after he held up an obscene sign that said F Xi Jinping and he did it at an Asian market in Sydney. Talking about poking the bear, the Chinese bear. Drew Pavlo is this bloke's name, and he sparked an angry reaction from bystanders who called him a mother effer and a son of a bitch for displaying the sign aimed at Chinese President Xi Jinping in Eastwood in Sydney's northwest. Now, anybody who knows Eastwood would understand it is a very Chinese-based community. 
this 20-year-old posted video to social media showing a group of people gathering around him and hurling abuse. At one stage, the footage revealed a photographer who was filming Pavlo's stunt being pushed and later grabbed by a man from behind. Pavlo claimed that there was an attempt to smash his sidekick's camera and they'd made a statement to police about the so-called assault. Stunned stallholders and shoppers quickly fired up at Pavlo when he displayed the sign. F you, your mother effer, one furiously yelled at him repeatedly. It's free speech. The activist described the situation as chaotic in a post to Instagram with the footage also showing a man rip the sign from Pavlo's hand and stomp on it. America has genocide, not Xi Jinping, another person screamed, while others accused Pavlo of being a coward and told him to F off. He told the crowd, we are against this dictatorship. We believe in democracy. Free Hong Kong, free Taiwan. In the video, Pavlu added his protest was non-violent and it was peaceful, putting his hands behind his back and inviting people to come and hit him. <laughs> As the situation threatened to spiral even further out of control, police naturally were called in. Later, Pavlu spoke about the incident on Facebook, which is where I think he should have gone in the first place. He claimed he was physically assaulted. He said this would never happen if he criticised Australian Prime Minister Scott Morrison in the same way. He said, my point is a simple one. I should be able to insult a dictator like Xi Jinping in my own country without being physically assaulted and attacked. Australia is a democracy and we should be free to insult any leader, no matter how coarsely. This is a simple principle of free speech, he said. No way would I have been surrounded by 50 or so people and physically assaulted if I held up a sign saying F. Scott Morrison in Sydney. Why should Chinese ultra-nationalists get a free pass to assault people in Australia if someone insults Xi Jinping? The Brisbane man was in Sydney to lend his support uh, to a Tibetan Heritage Democratic Alliance candidate by the name of Kinzom Zhongdi, who's running for the seat of Benelong in the federal election. He said he was with Taiwanese, Tibetan, Vietnamese and Chinese campaigners when he held up a sign criticising a dictator in the middle of Sydney, as anyone in Australia should be able to do. It's not racist, his claims, to criticise Xi Jinping. No, but it's probably stupid to do it in the middle of Eastwood. Now, in October last year, this human rights activist, well known for his vociferous criticism of the Chinese Communist Party, debuted his parliamentary team of Chinese persecuted candidates for his political party, Democratic Alliance. Uh, the University of Queensland student was also suspended from that university after he held rallies against human rights abuses in China, one of which also ended in violence, with claims he had breached the uni's code of conduct. Now, despite ongoing tensions between the university and Pavlu, he returned to later, um, uh, to, or he returned later to complete his politics degree. But at one stage, he was in the process of attempting to sue the university for three and a half million dollars. Dear oh dearie me. If you'd like to comment on that, send me an email, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au or, of course, you can always comment on the Facebook page, Marcus Paul in the Morning. 
All right, welcome back. Marcus Paul in the morning under something a little lighter. We all love bubs, don't we? Move over, Charlotte. Olivia has moved from third place to join Oliver as the top baby names in 2021. They're very similar, aren't they? Olivia for girls, Oliver for boys. Oliver has been, in fact, the favourite name for boys for nearly half a decade. New South Wales welcomed 90,059 babies last year, up just 14 on 2020's numbers, and the New South Wales Registry of Births, Deaths and Marriages' top 100 baby names are now in. Olivia is followed by Amelia and Charlotte for the girls, and Noah and Jack took out second and third place for boys. There we go. William, a popular top three name since 2019, was bumped out of third place by just one extra baby named Jack. (laughs) In a nod, if you like, to nostalgia, the girl's name Nora, N-O-R-A, leapt from 153rd in 2020 to 89th last year while Maxwell rose through the ranks from 146th to 97th. Pippa, Valentina and Quinn for girls, and River, Roman and Zane, Z-A-Y-N for boys, are new additions in the top 100 for 2021. Now, the top 100 names account for 38 and 42% of all names given to girls and boys respectively last year. Digital Government Minister Victor Dominello said the government was developing technology to reduce the paperwork required for registering a newborn with the launch of the Digital Birth Certificate. He said over the weekend, we know parents are keen to go digital, with 99% of births in New South Wales now being registered online. With the Digital Birth Certificate launching later this year, families will also benefit from having secure access to their child's identity documents anywhere at any time. Well, I think that's a good idea. Anyway, let's have a look at the uh, the top names. Are you ready? Top baby names in New South Wales. These are the top 10 from 2021. As I mentioned, number one for boys, Oliver. Number two, Noah. Number three, Jack. Followed by William at number four, then Henry at five, Leo at six, Theodore at seven, Levi uh, was in there as well, and Liam rounding out the top ten. For the girls, Olivia, number one, Amelia, number two, Charlotte is number three, Isla, I-S-L-A, I love that name, Isla is the fourth top girls' name for 2021. This is in New South Wales, mind you. Ava is number five, Mia six, Grace seven, Chloe at eight, Matilda at nine, and Ella for girls rounding out that top ten. Yeah, what's in a name, hey? Well, I don't know. Do you know anybody that's actually changed their name? Uh, Perhaps they didn't like what (laughs) they were named at birth by their parents. Um, I thought at one stage of just becoming Mark until I got in trouble off my parents. You're not changing your name, they said. Anyway, Marcus has stuck. What about you? Are you happy with your name? (laughs) You can let me know on the Facebook page, Marcus Paul in the morning. What about Mariah? Is Mariah anywhere that I can see? Certainly not in the top 10. Marcus Paul in the morning.
All right, well, that's it for today's program. Don't forget, if you've missed any of it, uh, the Prawncast will be up a little later on your favourite podcasting platform. Thank you very much for all your comments on uh, our Facebook page as well, Marcus Paul in the Morning. If you want to make contact, you can send me an email, marcus.paul at starterfm.com.au. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll catch you tomorrow morning again between 7 and 9 right around Australia here on starterfm.com.au and on the iHeartRadio platform. Bye for now.